0: Chapter 54, Secrets Nix and Jordan burned her old sneakers in the backyard. Nix waved the smoke out of her face. Ugh, and I thought they smelled bad before. Shall we christen your new shoes? Jordan took a swig of his apple juice and made it squirt through a gap in his teeth. It didn't get her shoes, but it did make her shirt and neck all sticky. Now bugs are going to eat me in my bed. That reminds me. Last night I stole some of the ants from your pea log. I was wondering where they'd gone. Nick smiled. I planned to put them in Fawn's bed. She framed me for cheating, you know that, right? I do now. Anyway, it was kind of far in the middle of the night, so I got them via ghost walking. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, I forgot you only believe in some of my abilities. Jordan fluffed the hair near the nape of his neck. Don't be like that. I have a very skeptical disposition. It's fine, as long as you're not believing me. I don't have a mystical connection with two enormous opossums that ate my face, then saved me from Mrs. Cherry, who incidentally is not possessed by the most terrifying demon. Well, the only demon I've ever seen. Unless Belly is some sort of- I'm so confused. Must be your skeptical disposition. Nix felt a little bad for ignoring Mrs. Padilla's request, but Jordan was Jordan. He wouldn't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone about that, by the way. Which part? The part about Mrs. Cherry's demon not trying to take over my body while I was out, and how I didn't freeze her, reanimate my corpse with a burst of friction heat, and immediately start jogging up to Tiago's to not ask him about how to kill a demon. Jordan stared at her, his mouth slightly open. Wait, the opossums who ate your ear attacked Mrs. Cherry to protect you? Are you like Captain Planet or something? Nix raised her eyebrows, ready to punch Jordan in the face. No, I believe you, I swear. There's nothing to believe. I didn't pull Eric Patterson off the bed at the Abendroths, or change the direction of fire to make them all freak out, or throw the scissors at McGuckin's face. So what you're saying is you're not the most dangerous ghost on the entire planet. You're finally listening. I think you need to start again, from the beginning. Wait, Nix said an hour later, in the guest room. You think punishing Eric is more important than saving a man's life? Jordan waved his hand impatiently. Finding Eric is finite. There are only so many houses on my street. But you've got to search the whole city for Gary. And we don't even know if we'll find him. We do the short thing first, then you can spend the rest of your time scouring people's basements for prisoners. You don't have to use words like finite to impress me. Why are you impressed? Nix grabbed the back of Jordan's neck like a wrestler, as she often did when preparing to subdue him. As soon as she touched his skin, she gasped, let go, and nearly fell onto the bed. What happened? Jordan asked. Are you okay? Yeah, just like a muscle spasm or something. You want some Icy Hot? My dad keeps it hidden so I don't put it on the toilet seat. I'm good. Nix had no idea what had happened. One minute she was touching Jordan's neck, and the next she panicked. It was as if the heat of his skin had startled her, but even afterwards she felt strange, lightheaded. She'd felt as if she'd taken a huge breath of laughing gas or helium, was suffocating, yet all she'd wanted to do was suffocate. Yes, that was the thought that startled her, how badly she wanted to stop breathing. That didn't seem normal. A shadow darkened the doorway. Time for bed. Jordan took a step back from Nick's. Are you sure we can't all have a sleepover in the living room? Amy doesn't want to, and you two are certainly not sleeping in there alone. The guest room is fine, said Nix. I'll sleep better on a bed than a couch. Jordan shook Nix awake. Well, it's a lot easier to wake you up when you're not dead. What time is it? Half past ten. My boss just went to sleep. Is that a euphemism? Technically, my boss is also a butt, so probably, Jordan said. I made a map. You don't need to search the first two houses on the street. One's empty, and the other is the neighbors we always send Amy to. Are you sure this is even legal? Trust me, there's no law against leaving your body and floating through your neighbors' houses. Just be quick and try not to invade anyone's privacy too horribly. And what if your dad comes in and finds you standing over my corpse? But she was already slowing her breathing and feeling around in her chest for the little lever that separated her from the other world. The throbbing muscle in her chest slowed and her body's magnetic pull weakened. Nix strained to lift her soul away from the flesh, but something was still attached. Nix grunted in frustration. It wouldn't do any good to get impatient and sloppy. She took a few more deep breaths and focused all her energy on stopping her heart. This time the sudden halt of circulation shot her spirit up like a slingshot. That's more like it. Nix didn't bother to say anything to Jordan as she sped off toward the end of the street. She was still a bit irritated at having her afterlife managed. Out of body, the neighborhood seemed much brighter. All the blues and purples of early evening were still present, but with her panoramic vision, each color appeared drastically distinct. It was like night-vision goggles, but instead of everything glowing green, she could see straight through the dark to the colors underneath. On the way to the first house, on Jordan's side of the street, Nix couldn't resist admiring her slender body again. If only Tiago could see her like this, he'd forget all about Fawn and Sarah but for some reason, that thought didn't give her as much satisfaction as it used to. Maybe because it felt disloyal to her mortal body that had outrun a demon and otherwise served her pretty well up to that point. Yells came from inside the house beside her. She moved through the front door as if passing through a curtain of soap bubbles. A life-size pig lamp lit the empty entryway. Why would anyone spend money on that? She glided forward. The place was full of pigs. Paintings, furniture, knick-knacks. Being able to see in all directions at once was nice when searching a house. The yelling came from a large-screen TV in the living room. Several young kids sat watching a movie that was clearly beyond their recommended age category. Sounds of clinking dishes came from the kitchen. Nick scanned the house for some sign of Eric Patterson. This was much better than the graveyard. With a combination of speed, stealth, and absolute freedom, she felt unstoppable. She could go anywhere, watch anyone, and they'd never know. She pushed her head through the floor and had a quick look around the upstairs, no sign of a sour-looking boy with facial hair in any of the rooms or even the pictures on the wall. She did, however, see a couple of live pot-bellied pigs taking advantage of their unsupervised time. This house was so weird. Although Nix had originally thought it a complete waste of time to check the whole street, she found herself giddy with the anticipation of exploring them all. At least ten remained. She'd have to move much quicker if she wanted to be done before her brain started to die. Nix flew straight up through the roof to get her bearings, then over to the house next door. One moment wood paneling was flying toward her face, the next she stood in a room displaying hundreds if not thousands of Lego creations. Nix had tried to buy Jordan Legos for Christmas a few years ago. She could only afford a six-piece car with the top half of a driver included. The imagined price tag for the room made her head swim. A quick look downstairs confirmed the house was empty, but the rest of it was chock-full of art and memorabilia from India. Unless Eric was adopted, it was probably not his house. Although Nix wished she could linger and explore each house at length, she reminded herself she was invading these people's lives to find a criminal, not to satisfy her curiosity. And the sooner she found Eric, the sooner she could start her search for Gary. In the third house, a half-dressed couple played poker, Nick switched over to the other side of the street. She didn't bother with the first house, since a Larson's sign hung on the front door. In the next, an old Asian man stood on a ladder, replacing a light bulb. It seemed everyone on Jordan Street was a night owl. She wondered how much time had passed since she'd left Jordan. It didn't feel like more than a minute or two. She was so engrossed in the search, her perception of time might be skewed. Maybe she'd rush through the last few houses and call it good. Even if the boy did live on Jordan Street, the chances weren't good he'd be sitting at home waiting to be identified by snooping spirits. Weren't punk kids always out causing trouble at night? In the interest of time, Nix set a trajectory and moved in a straight line through the next few houses. She found if she remained at a certain height, she could see both the first and second floors at once, considerably cutting down her search time. At first it was hard to reconcile the two pictures that her top and bottom half were seeing. It was like being in a theater showing two movies at the same time. Her focus slid from one screen to the other as she spotted things of interest. A black family gathered around the piano, a dog chewing on a ninja turtle, a guy sitting on the toilet. In her panic at finding herself in an occupied bathroom, Nix attempted to close her eyes. When that didn't work, she flung herself sideways into the next room. Nix shivered with disgust. Why was she still looking for Eric? Jordan was wrong. They should have searched for Gary first. She could always go door to door and find the goatee kid later. The room Nix had escaped into had obviously been decorated by a teenage boy. Football posters and stolen street signs covered the walls. Although the bed wasn't made, the rest of the room was surprisingly neat. A row of bookshelves lined one wall, holding not books, but trophies. But they weren't the kind of trophies one earns for signing up for Little League. Despite her urgency to complete the mission, Nix couldn't help noticing the unusual items on display. Hood ornaments, name plaques. Nix was startled to see Mr. McGuckins among them, and other battered-looking objects that might have been found in a trailer park yard sale. Nix's focus moved along the wall, and she out a small cry. There, on top of the very last shelf, propped up by a pillow, was the high school Wolverine statue. This had to be the boy they were looking for. Through the wall, Nix felt the vibrations of the toilet flush, and then the footsteps moving into the hall. Ew, he didn't wash his hands. As the feet drew closer, Nix instinctively looked around for somewhere to hide, then laughed at herself. Being dead really did take some getting used to. Instead of hiding, she stood right in front of the door. When Eric Patterson walked into his room, he was going to get the lecture of his life. But it wasn't Eric Patterson. The boy who walked into the room was tall and wide, like he might have played college football, and his freckled face looked like a huge speckled egg. Chuck? Sarah's grouchy friend that drove like a maniac? The wide boy fell onto the bed and picked up a book from the nightstand. You're in big trouble, mister. Nix knew it was lame, but it offered her a small comfort when Chuck looked up from his book with a guilty expression. At least she hoped it was guilt. It could have been gas. That's right. I hope it was worth it because you're busted. Chuck went back to his book, and Nix growled with disgust. If I wasn't already late, I'd freeze your room or haunt your butt. That hadn't come out quite right. Nyx passed through the wall and out the front yard to memorize the address. By this time, Nick's only had three houses left to check. She might as well finish. It would only take a second. Then she could work on saving Gary. In a flash, Nick stood in the center of the next room. Four guys playing video games, none of them Eric. The next house was empty, but a family photo revealed no sons at all. It seemed very unlikely that Eric Patterson lived in the last house, but for the sake of being thorough, Nick swam through the front window of the last house, empty. From the looks of it, no one had lived there for quite some time. Headlights caught her eye through the window. She passed outside and spotted a familiar vehicle. Closer inspection revealed that Vivek Sood was headed toward Jordan's house. Crap! Was he coming to take Nix back to the Cherries? Or to the trailer park? Nix wasn't sure what she would like least. But Vivek kept driving and pulled into the house with the Lego room. Did he have kids? Or were there toys for him? Although Nix felt relief that Vivek wasn't going to drag her out of the Frost's house, the thought of her mother brought another wave of guilt. Nix was really tired of not knowing how her mother was doing, whether the woman was crying herself to sleep every night, or dancing jigs because her daughter was out of her hair. Perhaps a bad figure of speech. As long as Nix didn't become disoriented, she could fly down to the trailer park and be back within seconds. It would literally take no time at all-well, except to watch Mrs. Wack for a moment to gauge her current quality of life. Nix shot into the air. The ground fell below her so fast it seemed the earth would keep going and plummet out of orbit, but it jolted to a stop. Nix hovered above the twinkling lights of the town. There were more trees than she realized. The houses seemed completely outnumbered. The trailer park was easy to pick out. It was the eyesore at the edge of the woods. Finding the right trailer, however, was a different thing altogether. They all looked the same from above, and she was too turned around to even tell where the entrance was. Now somewhat an expert at this, Nick sped through the trailers along the perimeter, watching for anything familiar. After four trailers, she finally spotted dirty green shag and came to a halt. Dang it, right carpet, wrong trailer. Before Nix could move on, a gurgling sound moved the air behind her. She shifted her focus and noticed a girl of about six, sitting on a sofa with a baby on her lap. The baby gurgled again, staring at Nix with large, bright eyes. No, she had to be staring through her, but when Nix shifted to face them, the infant smiled. To satisfy her curiosity, Nix moved across the room. The baby stared straight ahead for a moment, as if confused, then slowly turned his eyes toward the corner where Nix stood. Nix waved both arms, and the baby laughed. Hey, come in here, the little girl called. Willie's laughing! Nix felt a rush of wonder. Could the baby really see her? She moved again. The baby's gaze followed. Nix had just twisted her face into a comical grimace when Loaf walked into the room. What? The grave pusher lived in the trailer park? He must have walked to school a different way than her. She'd have to make a note of the trailer so she could come back and turn him into an ice cube. He was laughing, the girl said. Behind Loaf, a stocky woman entered, her fingers covered with bread dough. She looked vaguely familiar, but Nix couldn't think where she would have met Loaf's mom. Nix mentally slapped herself. Here she was, people watching, while her body decayed on the other side of town. She was really going to have to curb the impulse of curiosity. But before Nix could zip away, the woman began making complicated signals with her dough covered hands. Loaf replied with several signs of his own. Nix stared open-mouthed. Sign language. Loaf's mom was deaf. Nix's icy resentment toward Loaf defrosted a little. Sure, he was a jerk. But having a parent with a disability couldn't be easy. Nix wanted to watch them for a moment more and see what Loaf was like around his family. But she could actually picture her brain cells dying off by the thousands. Maybe she was doing the searching thing all wrong. Hadn't she practically teleported up to Sarah on the roof, what if she stopped looking and simply decided to be somewhere? Nix closed her eyes, which did nothing, and told herself, Go home. Then she moved. It wasn't the normal thinking herself up or down. It was an instinctual kind of fourth-dimensional thing. It was almost like she hadn't moved, but the whack trailer came to her. Their home was empty. Mrs. Wack had left most of the lights on, but she was not in any of the rooms, The plywood donated by the neighbor's husband no longer leaned against the side of the trailer. It had clearly not been used to board up the broken windows. Had her mother built herself a shack in the woods? Nix decided she'd figure all that out later. It was time to save her body from the grave. She took a second and brought the image of her body to mind. Come to me, old friend. Jordan's house appeared around her, as if it had been there the whole time. Sweet. No traveling needed. Nix was pleased to see Jordan not jumping up and down in panic or talking to the paramedics on the phone. I'm back, she rumbled. But before Nix re-entered, she looked down at her body. This time she didn't feel the wave of revulsion for her mortal vehicle. The temptation to stay out was still there, but only because being a teleporting ghost with superpowers was fun. As always, however, her logical side reminded her of all the reasons she didn't want to end her life early. Being Jordan's best friend... Saving Gary, protecting Sarah, winning justice for Ms. Winkle, winning Tiago's love. And she'd like to perform in a musical at least once before she gave it all up for the next life. She might still be able to do some of those things as a full time ghost, but there were no guarantees. Nix lay down in her body and jolted her heart into a life giving rhythm. The second the blood started circulating, the fibers of her body acted as a vacuum, drawing her soul in and locking it beneath the flesh. The entire quarter of a second this was happening, Nix felt as if red-hot ice picks were driving themselves into every inch of her body. Dang, she'd really been hoping the pain blast thing was over. Maybe next time she'd try a little friction jiggle before re-entering. That was probably the reason she jumped out of bed ready to run to Tiago's the night before. When the pain stopped, Nix groaned and rolled over. Oh good, you're back, Jordan said in a cheerful whisper. Any brain damage? For a horrible moment, Nix couldn't quite grasp what was going on. Then her mind seemed to clear a little, and she remembered she'd just gone out of her body. This time, before saying anything to Jordan, she tried to retrace her journey from the moment she'd left. The details came easier this time, as if her ghost body had found a place to shelve these out-of-body memories and was transferring the files from soul matter to brain tissue. Finally, she was satisfied she had remembered everything. What? Nix mumbled, too exhausted to blink how's your intellect holding up? Jordan repeated, as if he were asking how many scoops of ice cream she wanted. Why was everything a joke to him? Nix ran through her nines multiplication tables in her head. Everything seemed in order. She wasn't sure of nine times seven, but that one had always given her trouble. Still, it might be fun to freak Jordan out. Where am I? She said in a dazed voice. Who are you? Nice try. Braindead people don't make eye contact. And anyway, you were only gone three minutes and fifty-five seconds. Had it really only taken her that long to check all those houses? She must be getting better. Then she remembered she had loads of information. I didn't find Eric, but I found Wendell. Wendell who? The Wolverine statue. And you'll never guess who has it stashed in his room. Jordan waited expectantly. Well, aren't you going to guess? Nix asked finally. Mr. Weatherwax? Nix rolled her eyes. Like he'd even be able to lift the thing. It was Chuck. Chuck? As in eggs are more important than saving a girl from certain death, Chuck? Nick struggled to sit up. It was there on his shelf like some trophy. Should we tell your dad? Jordan helped her. Yeah, right. You know what the next question would be. Where did you get the info? Were you sneaking around his house when you were supposed to be in your room? Nick shivered and pulled the comforter around her arms. That's not the only secret I discovered. I ran into Loaf. Loaf lives on our street? I took a little detour. Anyway, his mom was there, and he was signing to her. What do you mean, signing to her? Like what you and Tiago were doing in Ms. Winkle's class, only for real? She's deaf. That I didn't know. It explains the angry note. Probably thought I was making fun of his mom. Nix nodded. I think it explains a lot about Loaf's general jerkiness. His home life is obviously tough, so he takes it out on others. Thanks, Dr. Phil, Jordan said with a bitter laugh. So the fact that his mom can't hear gives him the right to terrorize the school? My mom's dead, but you don't see me stealing lunch money. Oh yes, you've never acted out at school, Nick said with a smirk. I don't know. Maybe Love just needs a little compassion. We should try. No way, Jordan said. The Bible clearly states make no friendship with an angry man. No, it doesn't. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. I love that section. All kinds of good advice. Nicks pounded her legs to get the blood flowing again. The second worst thing about coming back was waiting for the pins and needles feeling to wear off. So what are we going to do about Eric? She asked. You didn't see the blue Mustang in any of the garages? Oh, I didn't think of looking for the car, Nick said, feeling a little sheepish. But anyway, I doubt I could have seen anything with the lights off. I see well in the dark, but not that well. You should go check again. I don't want to check again. I'm going to find Gary. And as long as you're making plans for my death missions, did I ever tell you how every time I go back into my body, there's a second when it feels like I'm burning alive and having all my limbs hacked off at the same time? You didn't mention that, no. So if we can, I'd like to keep the resurrection to a minimum. Roger that, Jordan said. Ear can't stay hidden for long. Maybe I'll send Amy down the street selling cookies. I'm sure. Hi! Want some cookies? Also, can I have pictures of all your sons between the ages of 16 and 19 to see if they're wanted by the police? Looking for Gary was much less fun. Nick started at the Cherries, very relieved not to see the kill-you-as-soon-as-look-at-you spirit. The Cherries didn't have a basement, and there was nothing but extra building materials in the attic. Nick's made a spiral out from there but all she managed to do was overwhelm herself. She was traveling too quickly to really comprehend anything, but even at that speed, it would take hours and maybe days to look in every house. She'd never thought of Woods Cross as large, but now it felt like New York City. Nix made three more trips out of her body. The first time she returned, she tried the friction dance before going back in. The instafrost was very exciting to Jordan, but the heat was not nearly enough to overcome the pain of re-entry. She'd probably have to freeze Jordan solid to get the same result she'd had at the Cherries. Killing her best friend probably wasn't worth getting out of a quarter second of pain, no matter how unthinkably awful it was. Waking up in the Frost household felt wonderful. She couldn't remember the last time she'd simply lain in bed feeling safe. That only lasted until Amy came in and jumped on Nix's stomach. Jordan made egg and cheese sandwiches for breakfast. Sergeant Frost seemed positively cheery. At one point, he made a passing reference to her mother. That's when Nix remembered her mother had not been home. "'I think my mom is missing,' Nix said. Sergeant Frost tilted his head at her as if he suspected a joke. "'She hasn't been answering the door, the phone, and the last time I stopped by, she wasn't in the house at all. I broke in to check. You know where she might have gone?' "'Does it matter?' Jordan asked. Sergeant Frost glared at him, and Nix understood. She'd never spoken kindly of her mother— Jordan probably thought Nix hated her and would be happy to never see her again. In a way, there was truth to that, but being a daughter was a bit more complicated. Mrs. Whack wasn't all bad. Nix knew her mother cared about her, but the woman went about showing her love the wrong way. Did her mother love her? Well, that's what she'd been trying to determine the night before. Wait, Jordan said. You don't think Mrs. Cherry might have done something to your mom? I don't know why she would, Nix said, and anyway- Isn't Mrs. Cherry still in the hospital? Sergeant Frost picked up a runaway piece of egg from the table. As far as I know, she's still in a coma. The officers guarding her will notify me when the doctor clears her to go home. Then what? Jordan asked. Charge her with trying to kill Nix? Sergeant Frost rubbed his neck in a you're really not going to like this manner. The problem with trying to charge her. Andy Cherry wasn't found with a weapon and she sustained multiple severe injuries. Meanwhile, Nix got away with nothing but scrapes and bruising, from the road, apparently. What? Jordan cried. But the knife! It's got to be somewhere between the cherries and the Padillas! And we're looking. I'm just telling you what Andy's lawyer and the judge would say. People may have seen her chasing you, but who wouldn't chase a child who ran away? Nick swallowed. She really wanted to tell Sergeant Frost the truth, but there was literally no possibility he'd believe her, without some kind of proof anyway and now wasn't the time to start opening up more worm cans. Sergeant Frost apparently decided he was done with the conversation because he switched to cop voice. Sorry, kids. Without any other compelling evidence, it's Andy's word against Nix's. You don't believe her? Jordan asked in a less than respectful tone. Don't believe what? Amy asked. That I slept well, Nix said. Amy rolled her eyes. I wasn't born last week. Neither was I, Sergeant Frost said. Now get back in there and actually brush your teeth. I can hear the faucet from in here. It was a dry brushing! And you'll be playing electricity-free video games after school. Amy trudged back into the bathroom. Before you say anything else, Sergeant Frost said, Nix has never lied to me. I don't think she's capable of lying. Whether Nix totally understands what happened or not, she doesn't feel safe at her foster home. That's why we're taking this seriously. Mrs. Cherry is being watched around the clock by law enforcement. Nix nodded, feeling like she'd done something wrong. Have you heard anything about Agent Lip? Jordan asked. Sergeant Frost shook his head. He looked like he was about to say something, but the phone rang and he went to answer. Hey, Jordan said in a low voice. What happened to the opossums after witch lady fell? Why didn't they eat her? Nick shrugged. They came back into the treehouse and just stared at me. They ran off when Tiago's mom came out back. Aww, you've two giant rats for spirit animals. Sergeant Frost hung up the phone. Mr. Padilla's going to drop you guys off to school. Jordan made a face. What? Why? So Nix can ogle Tiago? Nix almost grabbed hold of Jordan's neck, but she stopped when she remembered the strange reaction she had had the night before. Sergeant Frost tilted his head. He said Nix had some questions about his religion that he'd like to answer. Nixon Jordan looked at each other. Whatever, Jordan said finally. I hope they bring the Hummer. Dad, you've got to. The radio on the counter crackled. 17, come in. Dispatch. Sergeant Frost knocked a chair over in his rush to answer. Go ahead for 17. Sarge, I know you're not in for another hour, but Victor Hainsworth already called twice about a group of ghost cultists, as he put it, camping out on the road and encircling his yard. I'll be up there in twenty minutes. If he calls again, tell him to stay inside and keep the gun in his safe. Ten-four. Over and out, Big Daddy. Also, if you stop by McDonald's. Over and out, Sergeant Frost turned the volume down. Can you ask Mr. Padilla to drop Amy off on your way? It's not exactly on- I will, Nick said. I'm sure he won't mind. Sergeant Frost smiled at Nix in a way that suggested he was unsmiling at Jordan. Nix helped Amy focus long enough to find her shoes and book bag. Jordan spent that time finishing an essay for Jim, amid speculation on why Mr. Turtletab thought essay writing was going to help anyone get physically educated. Jordan was happy to see the Hummer pull up in front of their street, but bummed that his dad hadn't gotten to see it. Strange. He'd just been sassing his dad and the next minute wanted to share a bonding moment with him? Teenage boys were so unpredictable. In other news, Nix's feet had never looked better. She really hoped Tiago noticed her new sneakers— Every time she looked down at them, Nix felt like she should be a model playing tennis in a deodorant commercial. As it happened, Tiago didn't notice her shoes, despite Nix practically stretching her legs across the dashboard. After Mr. Padilla dropped Amy off, he asked Nix to relate the events of the previous morning in as much detail as possible. Tiago had obviously not been prepared for the conversation, and spent most of it with a horrified look on his face. At least Nix hoped it was horror and not disgust. Jordan chimed in when Nix forgot any details she'd mentioned the night before. By the time she'd finished, they'd arrived at school, but early enough that they could sit in the parking lot for a few minutes. "'Nix, I believe what you witnessed is real. I think you did in fact see an evil spirit, and it did seem to be influencing if not controlling your foster mother.' "'Do you know how to exorcise her or whatever?' Nix asked. "'It's the Catholic Church that does the exorcisms you've seen in the movies,' Mr. Padilla said. We have ways in our church, but I don't think I have the authority to try. At least I'd like to speak with the leader of the church in our area. Jordan raised his hand. Wait, but Tiago said you're like a priest or bishop or something. Aren't you the leader around here? I'm one of the leaders of the Woods Cross Congregation. I'm in the bishopric, but not actually a bishop. I want to speak with the state president who presides over ours and four other counties. How long will this take? Jordan asked. Is your president guy going to have to talk with whoever is higher up than him? Mr. Padilla looked down for a moment. I don't know. Maybe. Dad, Tiago said. Can't you just... This is serious stuff, Santi. We need to do it right, or not at all. He paused. I did want to ask you, Nix. Have you seen spirits before? Or was this the first one? Nix and Jordan shared a look. This was the first, Nick said. What about the light at the hospital? Tiago asked. That could have been an angel of something. Jordan made a face. Light at the hospital? What am I missing here? Nix opened the door, very glad to be in the front seat without child locks. Welp, we better get to class, guys. Thanks for your help, Mr. Padilla. Once the bell rang and Jordan had been privately brought up to speed on what Tiago might and might not believe, the search for Eric Patterson resumed in earnest. Between every class, the three of them split up and scoured the halls for signs of students with goatees but as the day progressed, it became increasingly obvious that Eric was taking another vacation from his education. How could someone ditch so much and not be kicked out? Who was in charge of student enrollment? Probably the same person who was in charge of firing abusive faculty members. Sergeant Frost needed to get on the school board and clean this place up. Maybe that would be Nix's next project after she obliterated the Woods Cross crime rate, taking out the trash at the high school. I wish we could just get a hold of his class schedule, Jordan said as they sat down in Homek. Then we'd just have to stop by his first period every morning until he finally showed up. Are we really going to wait around just to see if I recognize this guy? Nix asked. Someone's got to have a picture of him. Maybe the yearbook department? Or can't we just ask one of his teachers if Eric has a goatee? Jordan waved Tiago over to the table space they were saving for him. I'm sure we could, but that would kind of stink if we sent the police to arrest him and it turns out to be a completely different facial-haired turd. Well, even if he wasn't the one from the mansion, ditching school's against the law, so it wouldn't hurt him to get a good talking to by an officer. Nyx fell silent as Tiago sat down. One, because she'd remembered all three of them had recently taken their own unofficial half-day, and two, because she didn't trust herself to speak coherently with the scent of Tiago's hair gel in her nostrils. Haya, Tiago said. Nick smiled her salutation, and within seconds, was completely lost in an extremely vivid daydream, involving a rotund girl wearing an embroidered white dress and a dark-eyed boy in a tuxedo. A sharp pain in her ribs brought Nix back to reality. What? she said much too loudly. Nix realized class had started, and Walter Snodgrass had already begun the current event. Jordan grinned in response and faced the front. What was he smirking about? Had she been drooling? Nix had told herself she needed to stop these extended fantasies around Tiago. But in the end, they proved too enjoyable. Nix looked up to the front and saw what had prompted Jordan to bruise her ribs with his elbow. Walter held up a page of the latest town newspaper. At the top was a photo of a half bald cat in a cage. Nix slid off the table.